It's time to unleash the expert. What is he an expert on? Relationships, sex, spirituality, and rediscovering yourself beyond the trauma. Get ready to unleash more purpose, passion, and pleasure in your life. Here's the expert himself, Mr. Brandon Patrick. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. Um, I sure appreciate everybody's feedback. I shared my story over on the Therapy Brothers podcast, and it was uh, it was kind of in-depth as to my philosophies on sexuality and shame. And um, I've just been getting a ton of messages from people of like how much they appreciated that episode. So if you want to check it out, go over to the Therapy Bros podcast. I'll put the link in the in the show notes for this episode. Um, but I think it's helpful to listen to that. If you listen to this podcast that I do, um, because it helps you understand why I talk about the things that I talk about and why I'm passionate about that. Um, so check that out. Click on the link. You'll understand Brandon a lot more if you go over there. So, but today I have an amazing guest on and I'm so excited to have her. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Lauren is a therapist that works with me here at Therapy Utah, and she's a transplant from the East Coast and came out to Utah, of all places. I'll, I'll let her tell you t- tell you guys why, um, but she's, she's awesome. She's a great therapist. She has a lot of knowledge, and she also has a unique perspective um, moving here into this culture from the East Coast. So... Um, Lauren, I'm glad you're here. If you could just tell us why why did you come out to Utah? It's a really great question and it doesn't have really anything special. It was I got done with grad school. I didn't want to live on the East Coast anymore. I was like I'm young. I want to travel. And then I knew literally a friend in Utah that I studied abroad with. I visited during like during 2020 before COVID. And I was like, Oh, Utah's pretty cool. Like I didn't Uh know even what it looked like. I didn't even know really what to expect. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Um, and then me and my boyfriend, when we were deciding, okay, we want to move in together, he was able to transfer out to Utah really easily. And then before I graduated, I was like, I'm just gonna look at jobs. We came and looked at apartments. We found that we really liked it. And then I found you guys and I signed my like a letter with you guys. Yeah. In the airport going home. And I was like, okay, we're moving to Utah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't say it too loud about how awesome Utah is. Cause you know. <laughs> I know it's a secret gem. Secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you love the East coast, but the West is the best and, and I'm glad you're here. So <laughs> she wants it. to argue with that a little bit. I can tell. <laughs> a but. Bit, but they're both really good. So <laughs> yeah, they're both really good. You're right. Um, so, well, I'm glad you're here. Lauren in the West. And, you know, it's pretty, I think it's a pretty unique experience to move from the East Coast, move to Utah, but not only move to Utah, you're a therapist. And so you're diving in the deep end of really getting to know what's going on in people's lives, um, seeing, you know, not not being raised in the bubble. We call it the bubble of yeah. where we live here in the culture coming from an outsider's perspective and then doing clinical therapy with individuals and couples, you really get to kind of see what goes on here. Um, 
And my, my first question for you is what, what's been one of the most surprising things with moving out here and doing therapy with a bunch of Mormons? <laughs> it's a great question. It's some, it was very unexpected. Um, I mean, before I moved and I told people like, Oh, I'm going to Utah, they'd be like, Oh, are you going to become Mormon? And I'm like, I don't even know what, are you going to become a Mormon? Just yeah, they're like, moving here. Mormon? And I was like, no, I don't I even could, I could see it, Lauren. I think you're on your way. <laughs> I've had clients be like, well, you have blonde hair, so it makes sense. And I'm like, no. Um, but they would they would just say that as like a funny joke. I'm like, honestly, I don't even know like what it means to be Mormon, what the LDS culture is about. All I've seen is like the FLDS stuff on like Netflix. Like that's the only exposure. Like everybody here is polygamist and yeah, uh, like over on the East Coast. And I and I hate that that there's such like a stigma of like, oh, if you're Mormon, then you're polygamist. And they'd ask me, and I'm like, I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's been great to come here and actually find that that's kind of the opposite with a lot of the stigma is that it's not polygamous, right? And like the whole Mormonism and LDS, it's been a it's been a weird adjustment because I didn't know how deep rooted it was in the community. And I guess I've been told that Utah specifically is very different than other Mormon cultures in different states uh-huh. or mm-hmm. people have had experience with that. So it's been weird, but it's also been really good just exposure and experience getting to know what another religion is like, being able to see how it affects people in their communities. Um, yeah. So it's been I, a mixed bag. I think, yeah, I, I hear you saying both things in that like, You've been surprised at how not weird us Mormons yeah. are, right? Like yeah. We're, yeah. We're, pre- we're pretty like we got we got problems like everyone else and yeah. and uh but yeah, we're not running around with a bunch of wives that are mm-hmm. wearing weird dresses and yeah, like we're you know, we watch Netflix at night and Yeah, like and, these are normal and people yeah, are we raise kids and yeah. But at the same time, I'm also hearing you say the culture's deep rooted and it's definitely different. Like there, there's some things about um, being raised Mormon and, and like you say, there's subcultures within. Um, but, and I know that you're experiencing those things or at least seeing those things with your clients, like, Oh, like they're very into the church or because of that, these problems are coming up or those issues happen. Um, so yes, we're normal people and we're also a little weird too. And, and there's problems that arise because of the rigidity of the culture, correct? Yeah, I would definitely say, and I think that's with any culture, right? Or really anything in life. If there's too much of anything, it can get to the negative side, but I do think there's something specific about the rigidity, at least in Utah, when it comes to Mormonism, that really keeps people inside the bubble enhances the black and white thinking that can then when they grow up right and they get experience in the world and maybe they leave their bubble it can be really troubling and really confusing of life outside uh-huh yep so you just said a couple things there which actually kind of answers my next question a little bit but you said black and white thinking rigidity and then also uh, you didn't say this but also almost some like naivety or just like going outside in in the rest of the world like yeah yeah. Um, but my question was, is what, what do you see a lot of like church members struggle with Yeah. Um, as a therapist? What do you, what do, what have you noticed since starting to do therapy here? I would definitely say the black and white thinking is probably the h- biggest thing I've noticed, especially because we live in such a gray world and mm-hmm. even in institutions like 
laws. Laws are black and white, but really at the end of the day, there's a lot of gray area, even in laws. And that's why we have lawyers. That's why we have a justice system. And I think the black and white thinking has been the biggest and hardest thing to get, to get clients to recognize, or they recognize it, but then it's, you know, where do I go from there then? My whole family lives in black and white. My whole community lives in black and white. I want to be the black sheep and be in the gray. That doesn't feel comfortable to me. That's scary. And so I think that's been the hardest. So do you see like when your client has a certain belief or a thought and they are holding firm to that because of their beliefs, right? But you're also seeing that that belief or thought is causing them harm. Um, that it's, is it difficult for you to help them realize or see an, like maybe a gray area, think something different, open yeah. yourself up to something different? Yeah. I mean, I think... I hope. Um, I think with the clients that I've had to work that on with, I think they can get to see it. But at the end of the day, right, it's it's the person choosing, do they want to continue to think in black and white? Can they accept the fact that their black and white thinking can have negative impacts? And if so, like, what do you want to do about it? Right. right? I think, you know, it's interesting, Lauren, you, you mentioned like their family and but but like I've been in that place of black and white. I've been in that stage three faith expansion where the church is the way and they give you all the answers to every last thing in your life. Right. Um, so I, I get it, but like if a therapist comes along and challenges a belief that's causing me harm, even if I know it's true, even if it's like, let's say you say something to me like, Hey, um, like being sex positive is a good thing. Something like that. Right. Um, or like, hey, it's okay to have doubts about your faith, right? Something like that. Um, there's so many repercussions for me. Like if I actually go down that road a little bit, what's that going to do? What's that going to do for my community, my family, my this, my that? So so yikes, you're speaking truth to me, truth that will set me free, but I'm scared to be set free because of all of these consequences that could fall, all these dominoes that could just start falling down if I actually listen to you, right? So I could imagine as a therapist, when you know that shifting thinking or changing belief would be really good for that person, it's probably like there's, there's probably a song and dance that you have to try to figure out how to do a lot of motivational interviewing. Yeah. Like to figure out how to get a rigid Mormon to actually think differently. Yeah. And it's, and I think at the end of the day, it's definitely, I mean, we're just talking about this in super supervision. It's, it's a dance of, Mm -hmm. I want to be honest and truthful because I really care about my client and I want them to succeed. I want them to grow. Like, and they see that if you're a great therapist, they'll see that they see that you care. And it's, and it's not because you want to get them in trouble and it's not because you want to take them away from the religion. It's the exact opposite, right? I think a lot of people in the Mormon church and the religion, it's they're taught like, what can I do for my religion? Like, what can I do? How can I sell my soul when in reality- The, reli- the religion first and foremost. Yeah. It's yeah. what what can religion do for me? How can it add into my values? How can it make me the best person that I want to be? It's okay to disagree with something. I, I'm, and once again, this is my belief. I don't think it's set in stone, right? right? I think if you're a good person and if religion can add great value to your life and make it positive for you, fantastic. I want that for you, but I'm sure whenever our day comes and you go and you get to meet with God, I doubt he's going to say, you're not getting to where you want to go because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. You didn't yep. follow. Yep. 
Well, what's crazy is I, I totally agree with what you just said. Um, but, but what's crazy to me is when somebody comes into therapy, they're in a state of suffering. Like they're in a state of like, things are not working out in my life. And when you start to dig in, you start to see their beliefs that are you know, like coming out in the wash in their suffering. And somebody would almost rather stay stuck in that suffering or that hell than challenge some of these beliefs. And, and, and so, you know, the black and white thinking to, to, to me, Lauren, let me get on my soapbox just for one second. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that religion claims to be faith. Like, hey, are you faithful to the religion and faith? Because to me, faith is all about uncertainty, is I don't know everything. And, yeah. and when religion comes in and gives you every last answer that you possibly can have, that rigidity actually has real life repercussions on your life because it shuts you down. It can shut you down spiritually. It can cause judgment. It can cause disconnection in relationships. It can destroy safety in relationships because I can't be open and honest because I got to fit within this box. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, man, if you were just like a little more open, if you were just a little bit out of that box, your relationship would improve. Your shame would go away. You're like, all these good things would happen in your life, but you're too committed to something that you think is good that is causing you suffering, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. There's my soapbox, Lauren. I love the soap. I'm all for soapboxes. And it's, and it, and it stinks because as therapists, right, we, we feel for our clients and when our clients in pain, we're like, oh my God, I just want to help. Like, I just want to like, just listen to me because I know the answers. Right. But it's, it's, I think when you grow up in that rigidity and that just everything shoved down on you, you're looked at in a million different ways. Everyone's judging you. You think that your life is a script and your life life isn't a script. You can, anything can happen no matter what create you can create, you have limited control, but you can create what the things that you do have control over. Yeah, absolutely. And if you continue to think and people get stuck this way, right? I have a couple of clients where they followed every single rule and they still got divorced. They still had bad things happen to them. And the sucky thing about life is that bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Bad things happen yeah. to bad people. It, yep. That's it. you. It's yep. not something you can expect. We're, we're, we're taught that if you, in fact, I, I'll, I'll quote you some some of our scriptures. Like, if if you're righteous, you will prosper in the land. That's like a scripture. Or, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. When you do not, you have no promise. So. What that means is like, I'm bound to give you blessings and to give you what you want when you do what I say, but if you don't, you don't get it. And and like being a therapist for as long as I have been, treating members of the church and seeing members of the church not getting what they want um, and yet trying so hard to be perfect and, and live in this black and white world, it's not how it works. And And it's a setup. I think it's a setup to to disconnect you from, from God and mm-hmm. what God is. And, and, and so, yeah, it's interesting from your perspective, Lauren, coming in and seeing that we do have this belief of it's, a, I call it the contingency model of God's love. If I do this, then I'll get that. Um, and it's like, you're the therapist and you're like, man, people are not getting what they want in their life here, but they yeah. start, they're going to church every week and paying their tithing, you know, and they're like, well, why aren't I getting what I want? but you're not right. That's not how God works. So, um, what, uh, 
I'm curious, and this could take us down a whole rabbit hole here. Um, give it, give me just from your outsider's perspective, you're coming in and you're, you're working with couples and you're also, you've worked a lot with sex addiction. You run a sex addiction group. Um, you've worked with betrayal. So partners of, of sex addicts and, um, from an outsider's perspective, couple questions. How yeah. well does the church do in terms of teaching healthy sexuality? Um, and like, in what ways does it screw us up? And I, I hate to say it, it's absolutely awful. And I, and I have to say like the church is probably a big part, but I think just as society as well, like it is just now trending to be like sex positive, teach your kids about as a, as a whole. As yeah, a whole, it's not right? just the church. Yeah. It always used, yeah. It's not just the church. I think the church has huge impact, right. On how parents are going to parent their children. Like what's right, what's wrong. Don't use that word. Um, and it's, and it's so crazy because it's not like I grew up in like a sex positive household or really like my parents were great. I love my parents, right. but it was never, it wasn't not talked about, but it was like, eh, you know, if you bring it up, we'll talk about it maybe. Right. Or you, but it's an awkward thing to talk about. And so right. I have clients that come in and, you know, they, they've never had sex before marriage or they've never, you know, and they're just now married. And then there's all that pressure of what should I do? What do I do? And then if they've been exposed to porn, right, that comes in and cascades of, right. This is what sex is like. This is, this is how I should love my partner. This is how I should be intimate and show affection. And it's totally wrong. And it's like, yeah. from, from the get-go, you're totally misled and said, you shouldn't do this. You should avoid this. Don't do it until you get married. But you know, if, you know, if things happen, then shh, don't talk about it. And it's, yep. if you just talked about it and if you just normalized it, it's a normal human experience to be intimate with your partner, to have sex, to be sex positive. It's there for a reason. You're meant to procreate, at yep. least have healthy boundaries around it and not yep. make it something that's so shameful when yep. we're meant to. Do. And and that's, you're right. I think and, and depending on where you go in the world, you're going to have different like messages and, and things about sex. Um, and I think most of the world kind of gets it wrong in some way, right? Yeah. I think. <laughs> but, but coming in here to Utah, what you're talking about is like, like kind of just a huge miss in terms of the culture here when it comes to teaching healthy sexuality. Um, is, is your experience been that it's, uh, you, you mentioned like, let's not talk about it when you get married, you can like have sex and and that's yeah. basically it. Um, would you say that's kind of the overarching thing that happens? I mean, yeah, we're, we're generalizing here, but like right, yeah. where people are just kind of covert with their sexuality, um, but they're also naive yep. and it's really shame-based. Is that what, yeah. what you're seeing here? Hugely shame-based and just, I mean, I, I, it, and it stinks because people have so much shame or guilt for having normal sexual thoughts or for, you know, their own sexuality. Like, let's say that they're not straight and they identify a different way. Like, God forbid you do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, and then, so you get, you get married and let's say that you do have a preference of men and women or whatever you're into. And now you have to go through a marriage thinking, oh my God, am I a sham? Do I not know right. who I am? I don't even know my sexuality because you never got the experience to want to talk about it. I definitely can't open up about that. Right. Can't open up about it because I'm going to get so much shame. I could go to hell. Right. Like, right. and it's just, and you deserve that at the bare minimum. That's a human experience to just be loved for who you are. And if that's what we're preaching in church and your scriptures that you should be loved for who you are, you should love your neighbor. Right. What, what, where's that gap? Where's it coming from? 
Right, right. It's almost like you have to self-reject yourself in order to be righteous enough, in order to be a healthy sexual person in in what about being who you really are you have to fit this bubble and then then you'll be happy yeah well like that's that's like a shame machine it's like uh, it it does not work um have you uh, and i don't know maybe maybe not this is kind of down the same lines of of sexuality but like working with couples and just being in in the culture here um have you noticed or seen um any of the toxic patriarchy or masculinity um, where, you know, because, because I think it's just in the air we breathe a lot. Like we don't realize how prevalent it is here. Um, yeah. But, yeah. 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 That was something I think was probably my, one of my biggest struggles. And I, I'll definitely take accountability of when I first started working with you guys and getting exposed to the Mormon culture, I probably didn't go about the best route of how much pa- patriarchy and toxic masculinity there was. And it was almost like a shock to my system of like, Oh my God, like yeah. what the F like, Oh, I'm a woman. I'm a young woman sitting in, in a room with a man who's double my age talking down on me as a woman, not in a disrespectful way, really, but he just automatically could do that because yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, yeah, let me totally put my stuff aside as a therapist, right? We have to be unbiased and be there for our client, but it's still, it still stings. And you're like, you're paying me to help you. And yet you're talking down upon me and who I am as a woman, just because right. of stuff that we're taught and pushed down on. Like, I get that. Right. It's still just, and it's still just like, Whoa. Have, have you seen it with couples that you've worked with where like things like the guy's the patriarch. So he's the spiritual leader or, you know, she's supposed to provide sex for him because that's just kind of part of the, how it is here. And have you, have you yeah. seen any of that? Yeah, I definitely have. And I, I even think, and once again, I get some of my information from TikTok, so I could be wrong, but <laughs> it's even like when they get sealed in the temple or when they get married and you obviously correct me that she has to give up her sister name and he doesn't expose his, she doesn't get to know that information, but she has to give up hers yep. and already is setting yep. up. He's up here. She's down here. Yep. And, and Lauren, there's all kinds of little like little things that send that message again and again to the woman of, Hey, you know, you're the secondhand citizen. Um, he's, he's the, he's the important one. And through him together, you can get to heaven, (laughs) which like what I have two daughters and that pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm like, what's, what's the, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Like what what is it really pushing? Yeah, and the the truth is is this comes from from generations of sexism, and it's a power play, is what it is. Like this toxic patriarchy and masculinity is scared of the feminine, and so they they push her down in these subtle ways and keep her down. When in reality, healthy masculinity wants to empower femininity, like wants yeah. femininity front and center, like it's beautiful and awesome and amazing and um but yeah they they don't understand that you know you go to i don't know if you've ever been to like a lds ward or anything um i've been i watched through the new temple in santa springs oh nice which was really great and cool and to see it but i was like i know it now i saw that 10 minute intro video I got it. You went and walked through that. I did. Yeah. I went with some coat. They were like, do you want to see it? Like, it'd be really good to just know what it's like, like what we talk about. And I was like, yeah, 
we're going. I went, me and my boyfriend, we went. That's awesome. Experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was, it was really pretty. Yeah. Well, like if you go to church, um, there's the, the leadership of the church is sitting up on the stand and it's three men, if not more men as leadership sitting up on the stand. And, and there's never women leaders sitting up on the stand as the women leaders of the church. Um, you know, there's just, just subtleties like that everywhere throughout. And, and I'm sure it plays out in our, in our mental health and in our culture and in our relationships, you know? So, um, I'm really surprised you went through the Saratoga temple. You did. And I, you did. And I haven't. So I I beat you. maybe you are becoming a Mormon. (laughs) No, she's shaking her head. (laughs) No. Um, yeah. So, um, overall moving here and, and maybe you could speak to some of the kind of the good things, um, yeah. moving into the community. And we're kind of talking about the, the thing about it is, is you, you see the problems because you're a therapist. So you, you see the problems in the culture and the, um, but it's not all bad, right? No, definitely not. No. What do you see that's, that's good? Like, well, I, I really think honestly coming to work for Utah and for, and we talked about this before is I'm really the most, I'm the only like non Mormon or non LDS or some of that didn't grow up in the, Mormon the purely non Mormon. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm the only one at their Utah. So yeah. it's like, that's so, like sometimes that. when I've done supervision with you, like you'll talk about your clients and like, I'll totally get why they're saying what they're saying. And, yeah. and you're just like, like, you just don't get it because you can't like, because it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm so, like, no, no, I get what's going on here and why they're yeah, doing you're it. Like, oh, okay. I'll teach you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but I think honestly, it, it's been such a great experience because right. When we go through school, we're, we're taught to be unbiased as uh-huh. much as we possibly can as therapists and culturally competent, right? That's culturally yeah. competent. know what you're know who you're addressing, know how to be there for your client, meet them where they are. And so I remember coming to work here and being like, okay, who, who's Mormon? Like, I don't, I was still warming up and I really realized everybody was, and I was like, oh my God, how is and, everybody right? Mormon here? I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's more, there's Mormons. So you don't know the there's Mormons, there's Jack Mormons. Have you heard of that? Um, right. They're like, yeah, they're so, like, yeah, kind of, kind of, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm probably a Jack Mormon now. Yeah. I th- or may, or th- and then there's like the fallen away, like totally out, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or like so there's, the there's like a continuum across the board. Right. 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 But I remember being like, how, how do they do that? I remember because I would hear, you know, my client's trauma and I'd be like, and then, you know, I've had clients be like, I don't want an LDS therapist because I don't want that exposure. Right. And I, right. or I do want an LDS therapist and I've gotten fired or not hired when they find out I'm not, I'm not LDS. They won't like, even come to you because you're not LDS. Yeah. That's no. happened to you. Yeah. yeah. Multiple times. And which is fine. They're allowed to have a preference, but you know, sure. um, and so I remember being like, okay, I have to scope this out. Like how do my coworkers, when they're dealing with things that clients are coming to them that go probably against their beliefs in their own community and in, in their own church and their own religion. What is that like? Like, right. that's crazy to me. Like that, that would be a struggle. I feel like for anybody. Because their own biases 
could right. could get in the way of right. Yeah. And I've and I've heard from other clients that have seen LDS therapists that are completely biased. And you're like, mm-hmm. what a therapist said that? That's right. Insane. Right. I had a client tell me that their a person in their family was telling them that they should fire me because I'm not in the church. So I might sway the client to enhance their sexuality or to be more them. And I was like, right. To be more authentically them. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, fire her. So that doesn't happen. And I'm like, you could like, that's insane to me. Right. So there's good and bad there. Um, and so I remember being like, that's crazy to me. Like, I don't know how they do that just because of some of the really traumatic things that are said in the room. Mm -hmm. And then I just, the more that I got to know everybody, I was like, they're all amazing. Like that's what has blown me away knowing and meeting people like we had coworkers that brought us through the temple and they were so curious about what was it like me growing up Catholic? What was it like me and my experience with the church? Right. They were so curious and so open to know what's your experience like just in life. What's Mm -hmm. it like here? Mm -hmm. What do you think? What's, you know, what's interesting to you. And so to me that really opened my eyes of like, wow, they really, they do such an amazing job and it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Right. All my workers are such nice, kind hearted people. And that's like where I get a lot from a lot of Mormon people in general. They're just so nice. Right. Right. I think, I think Lauren, the good majority of, of like Mormons uh, um, are a bit like, I'll use the word nuanced. They're, they're a bit, they're a bit more open than, than you'd think. And then there's this, there's this, you know, subset of Mormons that are not, but they're the loud ones. They're the like out there, like this is the way, you know, but the good majority like realize like there's some, there's some some problems with the church and, um, and are open to learning and hearing from you know, outside perspectives and things like that. So I'm glad that you've experienced that. I think our staff here is pretty, pretty open, um, yeah. considering where we're at and what we, what we, um, we, we can go to any side of the fence that we need to, we can treat somebody who's very rigid and very in, and we can treat somebody who's on their way out or totally yeah. out. Right. Um, and that's good to hear from you, Lauren. That, yeah, that, that you felt that with our staff. Yeah, pretty, they're so, pretty young, great. Yeah. Have a blast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We need you because we need the diversity. If, you know, Literally, they'll be like one of non LDS therapists, Lauren. Like, it's just, yeah. it's like, that's, yeah. Like, yeah, we have somebody, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Her. Don't it's, worry. It's true. It's true. Um, well, your perspective has been so helpful. And I think I've learned a lot from you just having you come in and I've lived outside the state a few times. I I'm, you know, I haven't lived in the bubble my whole life and I've been the weird Mormon guy in like my grad school programs where they're just, where like nobody's a Mormon, mm-hmm. um, which has been really good for me to just get out of here and experience the world a little bit. Um, and so I'd like to think that I'm, I, I can see like my eyes are open more than just this under this bubble. I think you're um, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Thank you're you. <laughs> um, but I actually think it's good for everyone, whoever's in a rigid religious system, whether it's Catholic or Mormon or whatever, to just have a, enough courage to look outside just a little bit, um, just to realize like, hey, maybe there's more to truth and more to God and more to healing and 
all of those things, then this thing that, that, you know, I, I went, I went to breakfast with a friend yesterday who was raised really, really rigid Catholic. And, you know, he stopped like attending as much and his family disowned him, you know? And it's like, it's like, what? Like that happens in the Catholic church, right? It happens. Yeah. yeah. Happens everywhere. And so um, I think it's important to, to not get too rigid and black and white, like you started with Lauren. So, wow. I sure appreciate your time. Any last thing you want to say about this? No, it was really good to talk about. (laughs) I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. So it's good to, and I hope this resonates with people that are listening. And I think, I, I think people can hear from you, Lauren, that um, you're not trying to bash on the church or and you're just, but, but you're just being honest and open. And yeah. it sounds like you're, you're, you have a heart full of love and you want to help heal people and do the best that you can. And I have no problem referring members of the church or non-members or whomever to Lauren, because she's there to just, just help people navigate where they want to get. And that's what a good therapist will do. So whether, whether Mormon or not. So, um, all right, Lauren, thank you. Yeah, um, so. you guys, if this was helpful, um, this took some courage on Lauren's part to come open up about this. And it'd be awesome if you left a review, mention Lauren by name, um, or share it with somebody that this might be helpful with and have a great day. We'll see you guys.